Hello and welcome to the Everything Is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition. Newcastle head down to Bournemouth this Saturday, hoping to continue their great run in the Premier League and, of course, bounce back from that disappointing defeat to Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League. I'm Andrew Musgrove and this week I'm joined by Tom Crocker, reporter for the Bournemouth Echo, who's going to provide the insight, the secrets, the weaknesses into Bournemouth. Tom, it's not the first time you've been on the podcast. Thank you very much for popping on again. How are you keeping? Yeah, not too bad. So it's been a difficult start this season for Bournemouth. But um, yeah, hopefully get this this game out of the way without too much damage. And then yeah, into the, the big games after the international break after that. Yes, as you mentioned there, the international break um, is upon us after this weekend. And we'll start with some good news from a Newcastle point of view. You guys listening, no doubt, will have just listened to the match preview yesterday where me and John were adamant Callum Wilson would not be called up to the England squad because he had to go off against Dortmund with a bit of a hamstring issue. As luck would have it, he is in Gareth Southgate's England squad, thoroughly deserved. We will take that as an indication that he is fit for Saturday. And I guess, Tom, you will know all about Callum Wilson and is and if he is fit and firing, that is something that will send shivers down the spine of the Bournemouth defence. Yeah, I think he, from memory, missed this game last year back down there. So I don't think he's actually played back since he left. Um, I know Gareth, I think, has said he's he might, he may have to drop out yet if he is still injured. So I think there'll probably be a bit of hope from the Bournemouth side that um, he can't quite make this Saturday, um, especially if Isak is still out as well. So, yeah, I think he's one that I think if he does play, all the Bournemouth fans will very much expect him to to find the net. And like I say, he's in great form as well. So he's, he's very much someone that everyone's hoping for this weekend, kick and miss out if it's all possible, just because Bournemouth are so desperate for the points at the moment. Well, it might come at the right time for Bournemouth to play Newcastle because they've had the tight turnaround from the travel to Germany. They were beaten in the Champions League Newcastle, so some might say they're going to be a little bit down in the dumps. It looks like the Champions League adventure is over, so the mood might not be the best. And, you know, we've already spoken there just about two players, Callum Wilson, Alexander Izak, both suffering uh, from injuries. You know, anyhow, will confirm hopefully in his press conference about Callum Wilson and maybe Isaac ahead of Bournemouth. But Newcastle absolutely decimated by injuries. There's going to be some youngsters, at least on the bench, if not starting against Bournemouth. It, it seems like the ideal time to play in Newcastle, doesn't it? I think it's always wet, sort of wary about saying that, but looking at it now, given what, when you look at the bench the other night, obviously I know they've got a couple of players who can come back in who weren't allowed to play in Europe, but I think you, given they're a Champions League team now and how good they can be if they've got everyone fit, I think you you have to hope that you can get any sort of um, advantage from from when you play this sort of team. So I think, yeah, looking at the squad as it is now, if, if all these players are still out, which obviously we don't know for sure yet, but if they are, then I think Bournemouth have got to look at it as a chance, the best chance they're going to get really to to really try and have a go at them. Um, they're, they're still going to put a decent team out Newcastle and obviously it's, it's a big game for Eddie and everything like that. But yeah, I think the only hope you can have against these sort of top sides is that they're not at their, firing at their best and it seems like if they're missing 10 or 11 players or whatever it is, that's that's going to be the ideal chance to try and try and get something if they can. It is a long list. Definitely missing will be the likes of Dan Byrne, obviously Sancho Norley banned and Bruno Gumresh misses out because of suspension. So there are you know, absences to be exploited if Bournemouth can uh, be on the, the, the game on the on the day. But Bournemouth potentially missing a, a big star themselves and, and Alex Scott. Um, would, will he be missing on Saturday? And if so, what, what, what kind of blow is that to Bournemouth's chances, do you think? Should find out 
Friday morning about that. Um, still waiting for the for the full news on that. Given the way he went off last week and the fact there is a two week break, it seems at the moment speaking right now, it'd be unlikely they'd, they'd rush him back in. Given he's just come back from a long injury anyway, um, but if they if he's fit, he'll play because he's he's been so good since he came to the team and they've they've got a bit of a midfield issue generally anyway because Tyler Adams is out injured and they don't have any holding midfielders in the squad really. Um, Lewis Cook is back from suspension, which will be a big boost because he's missed the last three games. Um, so that would sort of plug that gap in terms of numbers. But Alex Scott, yeah, like you say, he's just done done brilliant since he's come in for the last three games, really. Everyone was kind of excited by what he might be able to do. And just seeing him on the pitch, I think it's everyone sort of realised now just how big a player he can be. So, yeah, that, that's the big question everyone's waiting to see on Saturday. And if they can get him fit, and they'll have a much better chance, I think. Newcastle were linked to him as were a host of other clubs and mm. Bournemouth, I think, surprised a few by actually winning his signature. But by what you you say, Tom, you've been you've been mightily impressed by him. Yeah, I think this, like I say, they've been interested in him for a while. He he played for their academy when he was a teenager as well, so he's somebody they've had an eye on. Um, and they've had a bit of a link with Bristol City and signing Lloyd Kelly and Antoine Semenya from them recently as well. So it was always one of them that I think they were he was very much someone they were going to try and push as hard as they could for, and he seemed quite keen for the move. So, yeah, I think his his debut was, obviously he'd been out for a long time. He weren't sure how fit he would be, and he came straight into the starting lineup and played really, really well against Wolves, I think it was his first game. Um, and then, again, the following week against Burnley, and again, he played started again against Liverpool in the Cups, sort of three games back-to-back. Um, and just, yeah, he just looks, he's, I think I've spoken to some of the players as well, and he's, he's fitted straight in like he hasn't, not, 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 not like he's a new player, you know, he's just, Never played at this level, but seems straight away to be one of the best players and most most important players already. Um, which I think says a lot on his character as well. For for a twenty year old, he just looks so mature and ready for it to be at this level now. So, yeah, it's exciting times for, for when they can get him on the pitch and say hopefully this Saturday. If not, then um, then yeah, there's obviously some like say some bit more big games coming up as well. But he's been a real breath of fresh air since he's come to the team. Yeah, sounds like he's got a big future ahead of him. And our listeners will be, uh, I don't know if they'll be cheering or, or, or laughing because they know how I am a big fan of Tyler Adams. I wanted Newcastle to sign him in the summer. Um, so for him not to be playing um, uh, against Newcastle on Saturday, they'll be thinking I'm, I'm I'm decimated by that. But on Adams, he's been really unfortunate, hasn't he? Because, you know, it's quite a big outlay for him. I think actually, though, in the, the terms of the market, it was, it was potentially a bargain if you can get him fit and playing week in, week out. Um I mean, I, I suppose he can't really have been a miss because he's not really, really played at all. Yes and no, because I mean, they had Jefferson Lerma last season. Um, well, for the last few seasons, he's been the guy who's been playing every week in that position. They needed to replace him. They went all out on Adams and have nobody else to fill that role. So they're missing him in that they don't have a defensive midfielder at all to fill in. So they've had to put people in, sort of do a job in there. And it feels very much like it's a sort of holding pattern until they can get him fit again, which is sort of half the season will be gone by then now, considering he's injured again. So yeah, they're very much missing that type of player. Um, as I mentioned before, Lewis Cook has has done pretty well in that role. He's so he's had, a, had a suspension, um, which he'll be back from, but he, he's, that's not his natural position anyway, but he has sort of been growing into it a bit. So that's given some sort of comfort to the fans. But I think, yeah, getting Tyler fit is, is a key going to be a key thing to try to survive in this league again, I think, this season. And the other player that I'm a big fan of, and I've, I've gone on quite a few times on this podcast about, is Philip Billion. I think he's a fantastic player. Will he be fit and firing on Saturday? Yeah, very much so. He's been, like I say, scored a brilliant goal against Burnley a couple of weeks ago for their first win of the season. He's, yeah, someone that I think he was entering the last year of his deal when there was, 
I think a lot of people thought he'd probably be off, to be honest. But he's, they've tied him down to a, a long-term contract now, and he's very much one of the key players in the team. And like I say, he's, he's played a bit deeper this season. He hasn't got as many goals and things because they've had to drop players in because they haven't really got the numbers where they need it. But he, yeah, if they can get him up back up towards the box again, um, playing in a more advanced role, which they can do if Alex Scott's fit, um, he's really dangerous still. And yeah, he's, he's one of their stand-up players for sure. So if I was to ask you to name the standout player, the one that Eddie Howe will be tasking his team to keep quiet above all else, who would it be? I think, I'd say, if, if Alex Scott plays, if he, that will not only be one to watch, but also allow Philip Billing to go further forward as well and be that guy to be in and around the box trying to get goals. And I think those two are going to be quite quite key to, to what they do. Obviously, Dom Solanke up front is, is always a threat at the moment. He's, he's looking good again now. Um, I'd say that the lineup in terms of around him, there's, they've got a lot of wingers in the squad. None of them have really nailed their place down, so it's hard to sort of know who is actually going to play from the start. Um, all of them on their day can be really dangerous. So I'm sure that that's, that's a strong area of the squad, um, but nobody's really got that run in the team yet. But I think in midfield, if Billing and Scott both play, I think that's that's the, the bit that Bournemouth fans are looking at as, as being a real strong part of the team at the moment. And in terms of the way Bournemouth will approach the game on Saturday, are you expecting them to sit off Newcastle and invite Newcastle on? Or are you expecting Bournemouth to maybe try and have as much of the ball as possible? For, you know, for someone who hasn't watched much of Bournemouth mm. this season, can you just give us a little bit of insight into how they'll set up? Yeah, so they've changed. They made this big change in manager over the summer to try and change the style and philosophy and be a bit more front foot and not so much necessarily through possession, but through high pressing and winning the ball high and playing that way. And up until last weekend, it was that's very much how they were trying to do it in every game. And they went to Man City, which obviously is a difficult game for anyone, especially when you're out of form. And it's, um, yeah, they they set up with five at the back for the first time all season and tried to sort of keep them quiet and did for half an hour and then it all, all fell apart. But um, I think they'll go back to what they've been doing all season this weekend, which is Trying to trying to press Newcastle high, trying to win the ball back, especially at home. I mean, they've done that in in all the games they've kind of played. Really, it's they did it against Liverpool in the cup, which is maybe a decent sort of example of what they're trying to do. They did it Liverpool away in the league as well, to be fair. So, I think all the all the games are trying to do this. Trying to I don't think they're going to sit back and invite a lot of pressure. Um, obviously, if Newcastle start well and push them back, they're going to have little choice. But really, but I don't think going into it that'll be their plan. They're going to try and. Yeah, get the fans into it and get the fans off their feet by by trying to win the ball high, and that's how both their goals against Burnley came. Essentially, the only win they've got. So I think that is that's going to be the plan, and and yeah, see if they can then create things with the players they do have in attack. Be an interesting approach because of Newcastle maybe need to sit a little bit deeper and then hit on the counter. They can do that with yeah. the pace they've got, especially down the wings. You assume it would be Anthony Gordon and, and Miguel Amion on, on either flank and they've got, you know, pace to burn, really. Whether it's the legendary Lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, Women's Football News has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's football is here to stay, and so are we. Um, in terms of the, of the situation at Bournemouth, again, looking from the outside in, the manager seems like he's under a little bit of pressure. The owner flew in, didn't he? Uh, I think it was against Burnley, actually, and then Bournemouth ended up winning winning the game. Now, they are 18th, six points. Is this a, is this a game... I guess it's not a must-win game because you look at maybe Newcastle United and it's not one that um, 
that that maybe decides at the bottom or pinpointing is is a game where you aim to win because of how well Newcastle are doing. But then I guess at the same time, because of what we talked about at the beginning of the show, the injuries, the travel, the quick turnaround, that maybe it is a game that they are targeting to 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 get all three points from. I think yeah, that those factors will, will play into the thinking a bit. I think what the manager says a lot since they've been sort of dropping down into the as soon as they dropped into the relegation zone, he basically says every game they need to win to get out of it as soon as they possibly can. So I don't feel like he's personally under massive pressure yet just because they've made this big commitment in the summer to get rid of Gary Neal. He was doing well anyway and make such a big change to the style and philosophy around the whole club on and off the pitch. So to then throw it away so early in the season, I, I can't see them doing it yet. Um, they've got Sheffield United off straight off the international break as well, which already looks like a huge one. Um, but I think this weekend, yeah, I think because it's a home game as well, you mentioned the owner there, he he flew in, he was planning to fly in anyway. It just happened to fall on that date when a lot of attention got made around it, obviously because of how big the game was against Burnley, but that trip had been planned for a few months. He comes over every couple of months to watch the game. So uh, I don't think there was too much in that. But yeah, the fact it's a, a home game this Saturday, all the all the games at home, they've got to try and they've got to try and bounce back firstly from from last weekend, which obviously it was Man City, but to fall and lose six one, I think it's it's obviously it's always a a tough day when you when they get that sort of scoreline against you. But pre prior to that, the home games against Burnley, where they won, lost two one to Wolves and Liverpool, but played pretty well for spells. I think there is some sort of confidence building a little bit there. Um, so it'll be first and foremost, I think putting in a good performance on Saturday and seeing if they that can turn into a result. Do you think the managers had a task of picking them up after that thumping off City or? Do you kind of just write it off as in, you know, it's Manchester City. Of course, you don't want to lose and you don't want to lose 6-1, but it is Manchester City. They're going to thump quite a few teams this this season. Or, or do you think the manager, you know, will have gone in and, you know, obviously analysed why they conceded so many goals and, and you know, would have been, maybe, I don't know, maybe quite angry at the result? Yeah, I asked the manager and the player that question after the game. And that the, I think the manager said he felt it was a harsh scoreline, which Man City didn't really have to get out of second gear really to, to win the game they they basically blew them away in sort of 10 first half minutes and the game was pretty much done by half time and second half Bournemouth improved but it's it's, it's easy easier to do that when you when the other team are taking the foot off the gas a little bit so yeah I, I think they can brush it off relatively quickly in that every year they go to Man City and get well beaten so it's very much part of their story they've lost every time they've ever played them in the Premier League so um, it's one of those games I think they they obviously go there with, with good intentions to try and make it difficult and they did for half an hour and second half created some chances which they can take some sort of positive from so I think they can they'll try brush it off relatively quickly and it'll be more about focusing on the two home games before that and what they did to try and replicate that this Saturday we've, we've talked about the uh the kind of the main threat from a from a player point of view but what is the main threat collectively that Bournemouth have which again you think Eddie Howe might be looking to to dampen on Saturday it's it, difficult in that Obviously, if, if Newcastle had their, their full-strength team, I think they'd come and be really confident and, and be pretty sure they can get a win there. I think the Eddie Howe factor is still a thing and that obviously last season they played Newcastle twice in the league and both ended up in draws, even though Newcastle ended up in the top four. So, Bournemouth did well to get points in those games and they, they couldn't seem to find a way to crack, crack them last season. Obviously, they are a bit of a different different case now, the new manager. And I think it is the, say the, the style that they're trying to if they get it right, it can be really difficult to play against. Obviously, like you mentioned there, if they get it wrong and Newcastle hit them on the break, then it could be a quite an open and interesting game. Um, but I think if yeah, if Newcastle get get caught early on 
by Bournemouth, Preston and High, which I'm sure they'll, they'll try to, especially at home in sort of an evening game. They'll try and get the crowd into it as much as they can. If they can do that, then I think that's probably their best chance. I, think I can't see them just sitting back and inviting pressure because I think it's make it com- more comfortable for Newcastle. Is is getting the crowds? I mean, from Newcastle's point of view, you know, getting an early goal would be ideal. What happens in that instance in terms of the reaction from the crowd? You know, again, not knowing too much about Bournemouth, but you know, clubs down there, Newcastle have been down there themselves. Sometimes maybe when an early goal goes in, it at least quietens the crowd. You can get other reactions as well, which which in the long run don't help anybody. If Newcastle do get an early goal, um, what will the crowd do? Do you think? Yeah, it will obviously it'll quieten things down. I don't I don't think it's at a point where the crowd will turn on on the players or manager or anything like that just yet. I think just because everyone sort of realizes what they they've made this they they seem to be on board with the manager even throughout the tough start they've had. They've, they're still singing his name pretty much every game and they're still on his side and backing what he's doing. I think there's a realization of the first few games of the season were against a lot of the top teams and it was building something into it, into his sort of style and the players he's missing, been missing through injury. It's been difficult. I mean, that, now it's getting to a point where if, if obviously Alex is fit, like I mentioned, they're only really missing Tyler. I think that's, that's sort of the regular starter. They've got pretty much everyone back now and everyone can feel what the manager's trying to do. I'll say that the game against Liverpool in the cup, I think was a good example of that. There was a, Anik beating Burnley. There were good atmospheres in those home games and, I think it's going to be more about, not more about performance, but as much about performance, really, because no one's going to be that surprised if they lose to a team that are in the Champions League. But if they can actually turn up and give them a good game, I think that'll give everyone a big boost going into into the following games after that. So I think that's going to be the, the main thing, really, how they approach it and if they can get, at least cause Newcastle some problems. It's certainly going to be an interesting one. And in terms of the, the, the weakness, what is the main weakness that Newcastle can exploit, do you think? I mean, they've let in a lot of goals. Obviously, not not just last week, but I need to check it. But they were, I think, second behind Sheffield United for goals conceded this this season. So that's obviously been a, a bit of an issue. The centre back partnerships and things like that. It's um, yeah, they've let in some silly goals, given the ball away. Just most of it's just individual errors at the back. Which yeah, which whether that's more comfort that to the manager that's not completely a system thing it's just players are just literally just passing the ball to the opposition they're in the wrong part of the pitch has been a big big issue for the last couple of months really um set pieces as well there's been still been an issue i think they were the worst in the league last season they've improved on that but the last few weeks again they've been conceding a few from sort of corners out to the edge of the box and things like that i think two or three goals i think on top of my head in the last few games have, have gone in that way so yeah defensively i think of the the big issues at the moment. I think that's what they're trying to tighten up first. Um, obviously, letting in six isn't going to do anyone any confidence from last week. But um, yeah, I think defensively, if you can if you can force the defenders into needing to move the ball quickly and and things like that, there there are errors in the, in the team there. I think that's that's clear to see for everyone. You can go through the, a lot of the squad, and they've all contributed to that at some point in the season. So yeah, that that seems to be a bit of a problem at the moment. Well, I think that'll be music to Newcastle United fans' ears because when Newcastle United press high and, and force you know defenses into mistakes, they're, they're usually very good at it. I think last season for me they were definitely the best press inside in the in the league, and they've tried to maintain that this time around. It's just going to be how these injuries and, and you know suspensions affect Newcastle, and of course, like we've mentioned, the quick turnaround. You know they're going to, they are running on empty some of these players, and they haven't really got the options to switch it up. Um, and given the high intensity that Newcastle United play with and the way Eddie Howe sets his team up, that might present a, a problem in itself. 
I've mentioned there the injuries, the suspension to Bruno, obviously Tenali's banned as well. In terms of the one player, Tom, that you're most looking forward to seeing, that or, or, or fearing might be a better word to use, is the one that sticks in your mind? I like to say, I think if if Callum Wilson's fit, I think he's going to be a real problem to try and deal with. But it's, it's just it's just whoever's fit and available. I think for Newcastle, like say Bruno, I think I'm pretty sure he missed this game last year as well. But I remember he's really good in the away game. I think it was um, earlier in the season. So he's he's really yeah. He's it's a bit of a shame we can't can't see him on Saturday. Um, but yeah, I think obviously Gordon's in good form as well. They've, they've got there's talented players obviously all throughout the front line. <laughs> well, be interesting for the fans to see Maretchi if he plays again now because obviously he seemed to be completely got the squad and he's played the last couple before the European game, I think. So, yeah, he's one as well that I think fans will be be keen to see. He'll get quite a good reception, I think. So, um, yeah, I think there's, Gordon seems to be the one that has a lot of eyes on at the moment. But, um, yeah, if Callum Wilson's fit, I, I can't see him not scoring, to be honest. Well, it's going to be interesting because if Callum Wilson is indeed not fit to play, then you're likely to see Anthony Gordon pushed mm. up into the centre role, which then may lead... Matt Ritchie to come out onto the left, which again is is something you're right. No one really thought you'd, you'd see happening, and if everyone was fit and, and 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 ready to be picked, then you wouldn't see happening. I mean, he's a great professional to have around the club, and you know there's a reason Newcastle give him that extended uh, deal because he's you know he is great uh, to pass on the the, the 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 experience that he's got and the wise words that some of these youngsters need to hopefully develop into into you know proper good professionals. But uh, I mean, if he starts on on Saturday, it's, um, it'll be um, one of those, like you say, no one really expected. Uh, just talk to me finally then, Tom, about the the, the sacking of, of Gary O'Neill. Because again, as someone who knows very little about Bournemouth, it seemed slightly strange. Um, it's been a, you know, a little bit of time has passed since the decision to get rid of O'Neill. Obviously, he's ended up at Wolves and he would have enjoyed that result not too long ago against Bournemouth that he did get in, in charge of Wolves. What, what what's your thoughts on it? You know, because again, it just seemed a little bit strange. Yeah, it did. No doubt, it came out of the blue originally, and nobody particularly saw it coming. I think those in inside the club were obviously they they had their eye on Ariola specifically. He was someone who was linked to the Leeds job last season and became available in the summer. And the main thinking was, if we don't get him now, he's going to go somewhere else. I'm not going to be able to get him basically. And I think that that was the main part of it was wanting him rather than wanting to get rid of Gary if that makes sense so they were they were keen to to go and do that and obviously they got, they've had a new owner who came in owner who came in last December and has chucked a lot of money at it at, at new players and everything and he's very ambitious of what he wants to do with the the club I mean it's whether it's the case of, of too much too soon we'll have to sort of wait and see because I don't think they were thinking they'd be down right near the bottom as they are at the moment already but um yeah they've it came from the people in the club. They recommended him to to the owner, and he sort of said to go go for it. You know, he's he's quite a ruthless. I think he can be quite ruthless in, in business. He's been successful with with all his other businesses, really. So, yeah, it was it was one that no one I think saw coming. On the flip side, the the fans, for one reason or another, never seemed to fully take to Gary even last season. I think they were some of the style of football and things like that. There was there was questions sometimes and. Right, rightly or wrongly, because obviously they ended up keeping them up quite comfortably, which is a, did a really good job. But yeah, it came a bit out of the blue, but it was more down to the style of football is what they've sort of cited as the main reason for making the change over the summer. Yeah, well, it certainly caught me uh, by surprise. All that remains to be done, Tom, is to ask you for your score prediction. How would you see it going on Saturday? 
as, again, it's it, until we know for sure the, the team, but presuming all these players are still up for Newcastle, I think Bournemouth have to see it as a as a real chance to to go at them and try and get something. On the flip side, I can see Newcastle still scoring a couple, so I'm going for a two-two draw. Um, if Newcastle have got two or three of those players fit, then I think they'll be stronger favourites. But I can see Bournemouth nicking something if Newcastle are missing all these players that they're meant to be. 2-2 draw. Well, I've gone totally the way. 3-0 Newcastle now, and I'm feeling very <laughs> optimistic. Call it what you will. Chapman's League hangover, but I'm feeling I'm feeling positive. I think Newcastle should still have enough to beat Bournemouth. I think I, I think just the fact that, as I mentioned in the match preview with, with, with John Gibson, just the fact that I think the left Dortmund feeling frustrated at themselves will spur them on to make sure that Whatever mistakes they made on on Tuesday in Germany don't happen uh, down at the the, the South Coast on on Saturday. And I think they will win that. And I do think it'll be quite comfortable. Although every time I predict a score like that, it definitely doesn't happen. So if it doesn't happen, I do apologise to our listeners and viewers. (laughs) Fingers crossed I am uh, right. Tom, thank you very much as always for popping on to the Everything is Black and White podcast. A pleasure to get the insight into Bournemouth. To you guys listening and watching, please hit follow, subscribe through whichever platform you're joining us on. Uh, for you guys travelling down, have a safe journey and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news. Mm-hmm.